This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Uh, welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Tyrion 13, I'm sorry, Tyrion 12 of Clash of Kings. And in our Maester study, we will be discussing the prelude to the Dance of Dragons. And in our Raven, we will be talking about stone dragons. So a lot of dragons, Sir Matt. Hey, that's great, man, because uh, the House of the Dragons is here as we keep getting all these teasers, all these photos, all these leaked set things, right? We've seen there's been a few things of the House of Valerian, right, on on the ships. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've gotten Matt Smith uh, and Emma, Emma Darcy, I think, Emma Darcy um, on, the, on the beach, right, in costume. It's just cool, man. Westeros yeah. is back. Um, yes. and it is exciting. So getting some of that, man, how you, how you, how you been as, as we, as we were, we're yeah. officially into house of the dragon production. Yes, we are. And I think what, what is it? Like we're thinking it's going to be, did they confirm it was next year? Like April, we think April, 2022, it's going to be out, right? April, okay. 20, April, 2022. Yes, sir. So, so yeah, we're marching towards that date. And as we're marching towards that date, I just said, you know what? It's it's time for me just to take a new path in life. All right? So Sir Ezra is going to mm-hmm. be doing some crazy stuff this summer. More on that uh, you know, as, as we get towards the end of my school year. Uh, I think we said last week. I've, I've been, I'm just going to keep hinting at it until people kind of figure out uh, what's happening. And, you know, you can really figure it out by going to our YouTube channel and seeing all of the increase in production that's going to be happening over there. So uh, Sir Matt and I have some major got some major plans like i'm just pumped i have this new like energy it could be spring it's house of the dragon into the school year all that kind of stuff but i am feeling fantastic and we've got you know i mean gosh man i opened up a a doc the other day and i started digging into some of the house of the dragon stuff you know you and i have now decided we're going to go through the timeline we're going to just take you guys through the timeline uh, as as you heard at the top of the show prelude and then we're going to march through the dance of dragons well with that there's little side stories there's little characters and there's little kind of these connections that we want to uh make and maybe do some standalone youtube content for that so i am absolutely pumped right now so but yeah how you been man yes 
Hey, I'm great as uh, the same. Feeling good. Um, just as you said, there's a lot. We there's a lot more YouTube content over on our YouTube guys. Uh, just wrote a lot of standalone videos, and uh, we pull segments out. So if you kind of just want to follow, you know, hey, some of the House of the Dragon stuff that's going on, and click on a lot of those. Um, there's going to be that as well. There's also going to be somewhat maybe um, Apple's kind of launching this new sort of podcast thing. Um, they haven't really released all of the details on it yet, but um, it seems like they're going to be offering some sort of like premium subscription type thing. So I think we're going to give you, especially Apple listeners, which I happen to know is 75% of our entire audience. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, perhaps another easier way to get a lot of that bonus extra content than going through Patreon. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're still waiting to uh, Apple hasn't fully said exactly how that's going to work, but it seems like you should be able to get it right on your iTunes. Um, so you don't have to go through Patreon um, as well, but it'll be all a lot of that same extra content that the Patreon people get uh, just a, perhaps an easier way for people to do it. Um, so that's kind of cool and exciting. Um, so we have that uh, that coming as well as, and then just House of the Dragons, news, speculation, the images, everything we're getting. It's just cool. It is cool. Yeah. No new news on Winds of Winter as of yet, except it's still not out. But that's okay because hey. yeah. House of the Dragons is here. Right. Yeah. You, you were actually, we were going over, uh, you, myself, and, and uh, Jimmy, the webmaster, right? Uh, Fantasy Network might be doing a review of something mm -hmm. together, a little, a little project that we might mm -hmm. be working on. And you and I were talking about kind of how this whole series developed and the staggering of, of, you know, went, of you know, the book releases along with the Dunkin' Egg series and, and things like that. So, there's there's a lot of cool things that can still be coming out in all of this these prequel shows it's new new content that we haven't really I I think some people maybe I don't know I don't know who's House of the Dragon to me there's still tons of room to fill in a lot of different stuff and George as you said maybe he's also writing like some Dunkin' Egg stuff along with Winds of Winter and that's why it's taking even longer because he's trying to weave that in which makes me say I'm more optimistic about the um, you know, the, the Dunkin' Egg, potential Dunkin' Egg series. So we just have like years. I'm looking forward to years of, of uh, you know, spending time in Westeros and Essos and just trying to figure out what the hell went on, you know, in this story. It's just, it's absolutely, it's cool. So yeah, some fun stuff coming up and we are pumped to see the images uh, and, and to hear that, the you know, we have, um, God, what's his name? He, he did the theme for game of thrones that he's coming back to do the music right for house of the dragon the same guy um we're bringing back a lot mm -hmm. of the same players for you know that, that were in game of thrones they're coming back and it's it's gonna be high you know yeah uh production quality i think it's gonna be the of the highest this is it for them man they've got this is their this is their baby you know hbo's gotta make this i don't know they make it make, make it work hey well Hey, uh, HBO Max is killing it in subscriptions. They just had a, they gained, I think, over like 2 million subscribers or close to around 2 million subscribers in the last quarter. So wow. they're, they're putting a lot of money into it and they're really hoping, especially if they're releasing all these movies, right? They're releasing Kong and Mortal Kombat and all that stuff. Um, they've been releasing a lot of these that should be in theaters with COVID, right? It's not, not happening as much. Uh, on HBO Max, so they're hoping people jump in uh, and and do that. And let me just say, 
I kind of love yeah. it, by the way. I love because I have a big projector screen. I love. I mean, I love going yeah. to the yeah. movies, but just being able to like it's like some movies, right? Like Mortal Kombat. I mean, would I have gone to theaters to see it? Yeah. Yes. Would I have felt as as good? <laughs> eh, maybe not yeah. you know like it was it really a was it really like a it, like you go you take some you know take lady Teresa with me and then we go get popcorn so it's like a 30 dollar event i'm glad i did not right. spend 30 dollars yeah. yeah. right <laughs> to go to the and i there's a movie theater literally like across the street <laughs> from me and it's tiny like nobody even goes but um you know it was still fun whatever uh we reviewed it by the way yeah. if you guys want to check that out over on my over on my video game podcast uh Sir Ezra and myself and Sir Jimmy joined us and we reviewed the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Um so if you do want to check that out you can. But uh no, it's cool. HBO I love HBO Max. To yeah, be I, it's 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 very it's very quickly become my favorite streaming service. I like it as well and and I've been, you know, I I'm more of a book guy when it comes to a song of ice and fire but i have been itching to kind of even that's right there at my fingertips i can go back now and just you know watch game of thrones so might be doing that this summer a little bit but man i'm i to hear that the subscribers are going up and that they're having it's being that successful just makes me that much more amped for this series for more people to get into house of the dragon talk about it who are these people i think the targaryens people were fascinated by daenerys Right and her dragons. That's what makes this such such an epic. Jon Snow's cool. He's awesome. But then to follow now uh, a plethora of Targaryens and dragons, it's just going to be overload for people. And I think it's going to be really really awesome to see all the secrecy, the plotting, the backstabbing, all that kind of stuff, which we're going to talk about today in the prelude. It's it's wild. So yes, 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 it is. Uh, Raymond uh, Dwaldi, by the way, or Raman Dwaldi. I hope. How yes. you, however you pronounce his, his first name, um, yeah, the the composer is coming back, yeah. and the, the I forget his name too, but the guy who's directing the whole thing, right, is the guy who directed all the huge battles, uh, yeah, in, in a in a in a Game of Thrones. So, um, okay, well, we kind of have um, I don't even know if we're gonna start calling this a Maester study. I might need to call it something technically something else, but um, as we go into a dance with dragons next year, the house of the dragon. Uh, we kind of thought it'd be kind of, I guess pertinent would be the word as to um, talk about just a lot of the events that sort of lead up to it. And we're just going to kind of quickly go through those. We're going to be like once one a week. Um, and I just have the summary here. So this is sort of the, the prelude to the dance of dragons. I don't know if we're going to see this in the show. Um, there have been some set photos that p people have said everyone's it is kind of fun because the big thing is everyone's speculating on where is this going to start on Reddit. Everyone's like with all the leaked photos, everyone's like, man, is this this person's funeral? It seems like there's going to be a funeral in season one. So don't know who okay. that's who who that's going to be. I find it hard to believe that it's going to be Viserys. So yeah. Who 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 knows? So anyway, so, so this is sort of the prelude to the the Dance of Dragons. So King Viserys the First Targaryen has three children by his first queen, Emma Arryn, but only one, Princess Rhaenyra, survived to adulthood. Lacking a son to succeed him, Viserys began to train Rhaenyra to be his heir. Young Rhaenyra was included in discussions of the affairs of state and was allowed to participate in meetings of the small council. Many of nobles took note, and Rhaenyra soon acquired a clique of adherents and supporters. After the passing of Queen Emma in 105 AC, Viserys named Rhaenyra his heir, and hundreds of lords and landed knights paid um, obsense to her. 
Uh, Viserys' uh, declaration disregarded uh, precedents from 92 AC and 101 AC. The king remarried in 106 AC, this time to Alicent Hightower, and had four more children, Aegon, Helena, Aemond, and Daron. In 111 AC, a great tourney was held at King's Landing on the fifth anniversary of Viserys' marriage to Alicent. During the opening feast, Queen Alicent wore a green gown, while Princess Rhaenyra dressed in the red and black of House Targaryen. Note was taken, and thereafter it became custom to refer to the greens and the blacks when talking of the Queen's party and the party of the princess, respectively. Wearing Rhaenyra's favor, Sir Criston Cole unhorsed all of Alicent's champions in the tourney, including two of her cousins and her youngest brother, Sir Gwain Hightower. Viserys I strengthened Rhaenyra's place in the succession by marrying her in 114 AC to Sir Laenor Valerian, who himself had Targaryen blood through his mother, Princess Rhaenys. The marriage causing a fallout between Rhaenyra and Criston, Rhaenyra gave birth to three sons, Jaceres, Lucerys, and Joffrey Valerian. During her marriage, although there were rumors that the father of these princes was not Laenor, but Sir Harwin Strong. After Laenor was murdered in Spicetown in 120 AC, Rhaenyra married her uncle, Prince Daemon Targaryen brother, younger brother to Viserys I. His sons by him were Aegon the Younger, called so to distinguish from his uncle, Alicent's Aegon, who on occasion was called Aegon the Elder, and then also Viserys. Was his other, um. The relationship between Rhaenyra and Alicent declined early in Alicent's marriage to Viserys, since both ladies had been trying to be the realm's first lady, and there could only be one. As a consequence of their bad relation... Alicent's son did not take to Rhaenyra's sons. Alicent's father, Sir Otto Hightower, had also disliked Rhaenyra, uh, Rhaenyra's second husband, Prince Daemon, since the beginning of Viserys' reign, through the, though the exact reasons are unknown. So, I think actually, as um, first of all, uh, Sir Kristen Cole, this was announced just a, I think like maybe a week or two ago. Um, is going to be in the yeah. series. There is an actor who's playing him. Uh, Fabian Frankel is the uh, actor actor's name. Um, and you and I just looked him up in IMDb, and he's been in like two things. I mean, that's it. He's yeah has not yeah. been in a lot from what I can find. He was in he was in it looks like a small role in some movie that also stars Amelia Clark. That's like a Christmas you know sort of throwaway Christmas movie. Um, okay. Looks like he was in yeah. like an, an some some NYPD Blue episode or something, and like that's it. So, wow. <laughs> so cool that we're getting him, but you know, hey, so, getting getting some of these new uh, younger actors and stuff like that. But I think this to me sounds an awful lot like maybe season one, or do we? Yeah, see that I I I, I mean, you have Viserys. Right, that's the big the, the the big casting. We have King Viserys there. So during all of this, you know, are we going to see? Is it is that you know on the beach? I keep thinking about the leaked kind of photo. Like, is that Rhaenyra walking with her uncle, talking about the new queen who's showing up? Um, you know, and that being like uh, Alice in Hightower. You know, I just think that would be that would be kind of crazy. That might give us a, a better idea of of when this is taking place so maybe it's like her mother has passed and some time has going has gone by 
and he's getting a new and she's getting a stepmom or something. I don't know. It's it's just because that's mm-hmm. the big issue is that you have the high towers come in. Uh, Alicent, Otto Hightower, Hand of the King wants his daughter to uh, marry in here. They're now elevated in power, and now his grandsons will sit the throne, he's hoping. But Rhaenyra has been promised the throne. She's promised the throne, which is also why her uncle is very close to her. And like I said last week, looked like he was intimately uh, walking with her on that beach. So... Yeah, I feel like you have to show us some of that, right? You have to see the prelude to this, and we have to get invested and understand the dynamics of what's happening in King's Landing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, you know, another thing we have to take in mind, even though, keep in mind, even though there's a the Game of Thrones had a more direct. Here's what happens, and they're like, yeah, we got to move some of the stuff around, cut it up, move it around. This is a rough outline in sorts, essentially. That does not mean that they have to, at all have to adhere to the rough, even like the outline we have of all of these events, because these are more just like sort of bullet points. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. There's nothing really direct and sort of. This is exactly what is said in the chapter. Yeah. Um. So it's possible a lot of this may move around. I don't. Th- I think that they're going to. Ha- they're gonna. It's gonna take them a couple seasons. I would say to build the Damon Rhaenyra relationship before they're sort of together. I think is yes. is going is going to be um, a thing. And I think a lot of this stuff. The more I'm. The more I think about it. I think it's going to be condensed. Really. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's going to feel like it's supposed to be like. Really, this whole thing takes place over like. I mean, it's years that that yeah. a lot of these events sort of take place. I'm starting to think not so much. I think it's gonna yeah. it's gonna just it's gonna be a show and it's gonna be what it is. But I don't think we're gonna see sort of oh he was gone for a year, six months. You know, it's gonna be just the events mm-hmm. and it's gonna it'll feel more like Game of Thrones, um, which is actually a yeah. shorter time span. So that seems like it makes more sense. But I think this will end up once you watch it in its completion, will feel like this was way shorter than the supposed ten years or whatever it is that it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, t- I totally think you're right because I, I really believe they're going to use dialogue, like I, going back to that beach and then walking. What conversation is being said there? Like, is Damon Targaryen talking about her husband, Laenor Valerian, who, who maybe did not father those children, uh, or is is are we even to that point yet? Are they just talking about like, like, will we see him kind of hint that he could potentially be romantically interested in Rhaenyra, but she's married Uh, is the death that's been rumored. You know, remember there's like a funeral possibly that they're gathering for. I mean, are they going to jump that right to that with Rhaenyra? Like, is that something that could happen um, earlier than we think, you know, maybe, maybe that her husband actually is killed and Damon has something to do with that paying a few people off. Yeah, what's what's going to be the start of all of this? And I, I also really believe that we have to understand, and it could just be through dialogue, that her being married into House Valerion is 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 a big deal um, because it, it is going to the Targaryen blood, her uh, Rhaenys. Targaryen was the queen who was passed over the whole 101 AC council situation where you go to Viserys to be king and you pass over Rhaenyra who was older and who maybe was further up in the line but she is you know female so you passed her over Rhaenyra's dealing with that and she's actually married into the family 
you know, who Rhaenyra is associated with now. So, yeah, all that can be just talked about in dialogue, and we don't have to go, like you said, bouncing around over great, you know, years to show us all of that. It's just the characters are talking about the history of their circumstances, and I think that's where we'll get all those blanks kind of filled in for us. But, um, yeah, we got to see all this set up, and it's it's all going to drive towards, I think, the end of Season 1, Viserys is dead, and freaking Sir Kristen Cole who is out here, who is, by the way, wearing wearing Rhaenyra's favor and defeating Allison's champions, right? So in that in that tournament, Sir Kristen Cole is with Rhaenyra, and we know that later he will make the the, the choice to switch sides. Was he, you know, upset with her marriage to Laenor Valerion? The way you read it in um Fire and Blood and A World of Ice and Fire, it seems like Sir Kristen Cole was always putting her advances off and, and really didn't want anything to do with, with Rhaenyra and her kind of infatuation with him. But there's a big shift. There's a big shift, and we're going to see, you know, maybe at the end of se- at the end of season one, something like this happen where, where that ca- – I mean, think about that, right? As season one develops, Sir Kristen Cole, close to Rhaenyra, would then drift apart and, and gravitate towards a new player, Allison Hightower, and how that would work for storytelling. I think it'd be, it'd be awesome. So – yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. It's 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 gonna be awesome. Um, I'm with you too. It's, I, you know, we, we didn't we heard about Robert's Rebellion. We heard about Rhaegar Targaryen. It wasn't until way late that we even got like a shot of him on screen, right? Like like that's the end, right? Where we're gonna see that sort of um, marriage. So I, I think I think that's gonna be. I think it's gonna it's gonna feel the same. Where we're like, man, there was some big event that happened just before this. Uh, and that's sort of where where we're at. So it's 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 going to be cool, guys. I'm excited for it. House of the Dragon, April 2022, uh, coming to HBO Max near you. So you know, just uh, check that out. So all right, as well, um, let's head over to the reread today. Uh, another short chapter. We had kind of a short chapter last week. This one's like even shorter. Uh, just kind of yeah. where we're at, and that is um, Tyrion. 12 of a clash of kings so uh varus shows Tyrion a message from winterfell that reveals bran and rickon were killed at the hands of theon Greyjoy. Tyrion goes to tell cersei the news wanting very much to see her reaction she tells him she could have frightened brand into bran into silence but jamie reacted without thinking Tyrion tells her that they must take a good take good care of Sansa because with two of her sons dead, Lady Catelyn might decide to kill Jaime. Cersei warns him he trusts Varys too much, telling him that the spider feeds them all information to make them think they would be helpless without him. She reveals that Varys told her Tyrion meant to take the Hound from Joffrey, and Tyrion explains he needs Sandor and Sir Balon Swan to lead sorties in the upcoming battle. Tyrion also informs her he means to give Joffrey a small command far out of the main fighting so that men can see their king leading them. Cersei then springs a surprise on Tyrion, bringing out who she thinks is Tyrion's whore, uh, Aliaya. The girl has been beaten badly, and the queen reveals she did this because a Lannister always pays her debts, and Tyrion had been compromising against her since he arrived conspiring against her since he arrived excuse me Tyrion pretends to be horrified but is revealed that his sister had not found Shay. Cersei tells him the whore will not be harmed so long as Tommen remains safe but Tyrion bluffs by saying he will have Tommen treated the same uh, way the girl is Aliaya does not give Tyrion away and goes along with the whole thing 
Tyrion then threatens to pay Cersei back for what she did when she least expects it. Having lost, the queen shouts at him to get out. He finds Shay in his room, having come through the secret passage, but she was blindfolded by Varys and does not know where the entrance lies. Right. Yeah, so, good lord. The the big takeaway for me in this is Aliyaya. Good gravy. This was. How do you even say it, man? Ha- Ali, Ali, yeah, yeah. That's the one I all every time because yeah. it's not. She's not Ali, a big yeah. character, yeah. and so every time, yeah. it, every time it comes up, it's just spelled so weird. L a l a y a y. Ali, yeah, yeah. Ali, yeah, 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 yeah. So I just, yeah, I get that, yeah, yeah, in there, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes she is called yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that would just call her yeah, yeah to make it simple. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yeah, she, she's a, a prostitute that works at a whorehouse that's owned um, by Shataya in King's Landing. And this is where Tyrion in the beginning was sneaking through. Seemingly, it looked like he was going into uh, Yaya's quarters, but really there was a secret door that was getting him to Shay. So just to back up there and, and give you some of that context. Um, when, when you first read this, this was actually a big surprise. You, you got there and you're thinking, holy smokes, Cersei's got his girl has Shay, this is bad, Tyrion, you messed up, what are you doing? And then it's this girl. Now, it's still terrible, and this girl is taking this, you know, um, she's she's hurt, she's beaten, she's tied up, I mean, and she's not even, she was just really covering his his moves. So, um, yeah, that one, that, that one kind of sucks. But I think Tyrion then at that point knows how, the, the big conversation here is about Varys, and who can you trust and who can you not trust? And can they trust each other? Tyrion messes up here. A lot of what he says in this chapter will come back to bite him in the arse later on because he makes some pretty threatening remarks. He says things to Cersei that uh, she will always remember. And uh, they're, they're big threats. But and I don't, he wouldn't have done this he wouldn't have said any of these things if he wasn't falling for Shay. Like he's again falling for this uh, girl. He can't help himself. He's a lover. Tyrion is a lover. His father knows it. He knows it's a weakness. It's why he tells him not to do it and not to bring her into the city. All that kind of stuff. He does it anyways. And he is suffering for it. He was almost outplayed here. But you know, Varys has always been like the spider is someone, you know, who do we trust back in the days of Tywin Lannister? You know, is he not the one who was like, like, which is, is he pro Lannister? Is he not? Is he pro himself? Is he pro Targaryen? What's, what's he trying to do? So Tyrion thinks he's got a friend in him, comes very close to it being, you know, given up like his Shay given up here. And He's saved because of the masterful plan that he and Varys put together so he could get to Shay. Uh, but now this poor girl has to suffer for it. So still, uh, I think he's now going to have to be on guard. And this is, by the way, right in the middle of a... We're prepping for battle. And Stannis Baratheon is on the move, coming. And they're trying to prepare the Blackwater, all that kind of stuff. Um, they're checking up, like, you know, how is Littlefinger? Have we heard word from him? So the opening to this dinner is very... Uh, like just setting the stage here, but then it's it's crazy that they're still maneuvering pieces against each other in the midst of this. So it is, it is, yeah. It, I always wonder, by the way, 
and I don't know if this is ever said in in the in in the show. It's what's her name, Roz. That sort of they just have they use her for a lot of different things, right? Uh, that that prostitute that's in like the first three seasons. I think she ultimately she ends up being killed by Joffrey, right? Remember when he gives her, which isn't the case mm-hmm. with Aliaya. Um, I I I have always thought about this. Like, did Cersei get the wrong person, or did Cersei know she had? like the wrong person you know what i mean to sort of scare Tyrion without because it's almost like it's especially because especially because that can go into sort of the 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 tywin lannister theory like was he because shay shows up right she's at the battlement and then she ends up being with tywin at the very end and we still don't really know shay is sort of this big mystery um still in in the in the books like how she got there what kind of her backstory is all this kind of stuff um and i've just always thought in my mind maybe that cersei knew she had she didn't cersei uses aliyaya instead of shay just to make it um, it's almost like i don't want you to think i, I want you to you. think you yeah. have the upper hand on me when you don't yeah it's almost like a yeah double i don't know yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. it's it's to kind of say, here you're in check, and here's something, but then just to kind of put you on guard. But then also, yeah, maybe she really you know does 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 no more because the big question is Varys. Like, who is he really telling the information to? Did he did he go a step further? And he's you know Tyrion's going to go confirm things with Varys here in a second. That's why he's running around at the end of the chapter looking to see where's the secret passageway. How did you get here, Shay? Before I forget this, I want to bring up one thing. So Yaya to me, is is an interesting uh, character. She is in A Game of Thrones, A Clash of Kings, A Storm of Swords. And I don't think we've seen her since A Storm of Swords. Um, I'm trying to remember what happens to her. Last thing I know, she she beds um, Oberyn Martell. Braun. And she's with... What's that? Oh, you're right, yeah. Braun. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. No, yeah, Braun. Yeah. No, Braun goes and visits Braun her. And then, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then Oberyn. Um, so it's like, dude... You think about Shay being this person who's in close with all of these individuals, and maybe she's someone who knows something, who can reveal something or whatever. I think Shay might have been an important person to another family or group, or we always think about the Dornish or whatever, uh, or someone over in Essos. But Yaya actually could be working for somebody. She's, she, you know, some pretty big players are going into, she's, you know, with some pretty big players like Tyrion himself. Uh, air quote, kind of, right? Uh, working with him, know something about him. Uh, Braun, and then the Red Viper. So, like, what is she told? What what does she learn? All that kind of stuff. So, who knows when we might uh, see more of her. I believe she's still uh, alive, and she just slept with Oberyn, as, as far as we know there. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that... This this chapter is really just more about that uh, backstabbing. Well, it's the it's the, what Tyrion says about what he will do to Tommen as well. Like, come on, Tyrion. Like that's a little mm-hmm. that's a little much. And I think he was trying to oversell. Like, yes, you have the right girl. You know, like like how de- like almost like he's so angry that you would lay a hand on his whore to kind of drive home to Cersei that like you have the right whore. I just need to. Now sell that more by making this threat against Tommen. Foolish. You know? It's yeah. not smart. And th- well, this is sort of Tyrion's whole time as Hand of the King, right? It, it, for every... It's like, you know, every step forward, he takes a step back, right? Uh, and then the, I always... You know, we, all, we always think like... 
what if what if Tyrion had done a good job as Hand of the King? Um, like say he, if he does if Sir, if Tyrion does not take Shay, which is like the one thing Tywin tells him not to do. Do you think Tywin gives him a little more favor later when he shows up? Yeah. Because it was, I have, I've always felt like I've always, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much of Tywin to think like he even cares, but it does seem like he's sort of giving Tyrion like a test. Like here you go. Yeah. You do this for your family. Go service the king. And I only have one thing I don't want you to do. And Tyrion doesn't do it. Right. But if he does, um, maybe, you know, a situation like this wouldn't even take place because Tyrion wouldn't have Shay there. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so this sort of gets him into a bad situation because you're just making it that much harder with you and Cersei because now you have him saying, well, you're going to do that to Shay. It's not Shay. It's Aliyah, yeah, but yeah. theoretically Shay. Um, I'm going to do that to Tommen. That, you know, Tommen's not Joffrey. Yeah. And that you shouldn't. Yeah. That, that not only is going to piss off Cersei, that will piss off your father. That pisses off everyone in your family because you're threatening the line. You're threatening like all these things that Tywin holds very near and dear, which is he wants to secure his legacy, um, the Lannister line, the bloodline, all that kind of stuff. He wants it to continue on and the history books to write about him. That's seemingly what he kind of cares about. And he wants to protect his family, grow their wealth, all that stuff. He does seem to be, uh, and I know we're talking about Tywin a little bit here, but like that teacher who wants to, these are his kids. He is more publicly, I think, you know, um, uh, the way he treats Tyrion is, is not, is not good. It's not right. Um, and what he says though, sometimes to Cersei and Jamie in private, he also gets on them too. Like they, they have their weaknesses, they have their things and he wants them to fall in line and do, uh, what's right. But we hear him say things that are really cruel to Tyrion just because it's a black stain on, you know, his legacy and their, the, the, the Lannister, you know, reputation. So. Yeah, no, it is. And it, he's that he's that stern father that's trying to build them because he want, he understands the importance of this is what it takes. I've been around for a long time. And Tywin also isn't just somebody who he's not like, like, say, a Ned Stark, for example, where, yeah, you're the warden in the north and that's its own thing. But, you know, the, the north does not see as much conflict as the south does because it's everyone's like it's too hard to take whatever. The south has like you're politically battling like every turning you go to everything there's always that much that many more places um the north is also pretty kind of landlocked i mean outside you have you have a you have an enormous wall keeping your biggest threat away from you and then it's just you just have the south um whereas like the lannisters you got high garden it's like right you know it's to your south it's right it's right there they're a big competitor you've got the riverlands right next to you as well and then everything that's going on in King's Landing. And Tywin has also served as Hand of the King to a terrible king, right? And so mm -hmm. he's been through not just – he's been through the highest of the highs in terms of political battling and maneuvering and all of these things. So that's I think that's why he's so much more stern on his children because he needs them to live up to sort of their their destiny and you know fulfill, fulfill, fulfill all of that. Yeah, he does. Um and they are falling, you know, short and, and a lot of, the, the, I mean, the rumor going around the realm is, is that these are not legitimate heirs. Like all he wanted was like for the line to be secure, legitimacy, all that kind of stuff. And now here we are uh, kind of dealing with all this and then he's going to, and he's, he's, you know, he's uh, Tywin's, Ty Tywin's no slouch.
I mean, he's, he's going to be able to handle his own, but it's children who have all of these weaknesses and different wants and needs and whatever that he's trying to iron out. So, um, trying to think of uh, the other thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, like, so Varys, right? I mean, is he, can we trust him or can we not? Who is Varys working for anymore? I mean, once the last Targaryen is gone, what is he about? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, he's, he's still employed. It's. Unless there's other Targaryens or Targaryens, you know, Targaryen bloodlines, he thinks he's secretly going to prop up. That goes yeah. into sort of young Griff and and all of that. You know, Varys is interesting, I think, because the allies he chooses to make. I mean, Varys and Littlefinger are essentially the same. They both have sort of their own political maneuverings. Varys is, I serve the realm, whereas Littlefinger serves himself. But just because Varys says he serves the realm does not mean he actually serves the realm. could just mean that he serves sort of himself. So at least there is some sort of idealism to behind the reasons he makes the decisions he makes. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Littlefinger, just chaos is a ladder. I'm just going to try to climb it. Yeah, and yeah and be my and be and be my own person so i think where we just tend to look at varus more in a good light just because of the people he chooses to ally himself with are people that we are more likely inclined to like john um you know Tyrion. yeah well how about this though i mean sorry to kind of jump i'm trying to think i, I want to jump to a varus point here but it's going to be it's going to take us away from this chapter for a little bit uh if that's okay so that's is there okay. anything else okay all right um so Varys wants to, uh, as Cersei brings up in this chapter, you can't trust him. Uh, you think he's in your pocket. He's in mine. I thought the same thing. She said, I thought he was my nearest, dearest friend, right? Which is why Pycelle becomes her guy, a Lannister man. And uh, she has her other kind of individuals. And Tyrion has his. Um, you see all the different people she has at court that she's befriending and I mean, at one point, Tyrion is giving her back uh, Rosby. Rosby's a friend of, of Cersei's who he wants to give back in this in this chapter, and they're bargaining back and forth. But who does Varys belong to, and what what is he after? So following that rabbit hole for a second, as you said, he wants to kind of... He has his own cause. We're pretty darn sure, especially uh, that, that he's working with someone, you know, maybe multiple individuals over in Essos, and we know what happens at the end of um, a dance, and just you know that he's that he, he kills kevin lannister talks about Aegon. um someone wrote us uh an, an interesting i think this was on youtube when he kills kevin lannister and he's talking about young griff he talks about as if he is instead of saying young griff or revealing that, I, that he's up to some trickery or some plot to a dying man you tell the truth like a man who's dying, mm -hmm. who you know that they're not going to go tell anybody, you know, you just kind of want to hit them with something that's true that's going to be like a shock. And so anyways, the whole thing is that Varys is, is seemingly working uh, to put young Griff, um, Aegon, in power. And what we see in the show is that, like, Danny is going to lay him low because he doesn't believe in back Danny anymore. Like, I, I kind of believe in Varys's, um idealism like where he wants to what's best for the realm and for the small folk and and doing what's right because he's been hurt he's seen uh all of the hurts and, and things that happened to even like his little birds right children those who are impoverished i think ferris has probably is using his position and his skill set in a way to really maybe further 
the cause of those who are less fortunate. And young Griff seemingly is someone who is raised from a young age that will be a person that that Varys would back. Danny, we are all like, you know, Danny's also great, but there's this undertone of madness that is surging, that we see surging, that we that we know we're going to get to in the bells eventually. So I just, uh, the whole point here is is like I really do see that young Griff, Danny conflict coming and happening, and that Varys and Tyrion may be on opposite sides, you know, duking it out here. You know, uh, th- like this whole battle of these this, these chess pieces that are being played. Varys seems to be the best player right now, and Tyrion is learning, and we're we're favorable to him. But by the end of this, I think Tyrion will be the one maneuvering those pieces for Danny. And then the irony is that we like Tyrion and we're thinking, yes, maneuver those pieces. You know what, Varys? Screw you. Varys might have been actually backing a better ruler. We like Tyrion, who's backing what seems like a good ruler, who goes mad. Like, that's just what George does. He just will twist you up in ways mm-hmm. that you're like, what? Where, where are we now? You know? And the the Daenerys the Daenerys killing um the Daenerys killing Varys in the show could have just been a bullet point that he gave right. them. Hey, Daenerys burns Daenerys burns uh Varys. Yeah, kills him. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's he's like I know I know we're gonna get to that point. Well, it could happen, yeah, in a in a battle. It could happen in a in a battle, not a he's he decides to side with or could go down a totally different way, but it could still be the same outcome. Right. Yeah, he's a traitor. Or even if he's left over and you bring uh, some of like young Griff's or Aegon's followers to her after that battle is over, there's Varys and here's Tyrion who they've been on opposite opposite sides of this and she doesn't forgive him. I mean, he has there's loyalties there to her to her family, but I I don't know. I yeah. just don't think it's going to go or it does maybe go like maybe he is taken into the fold and and is is there with Varys or uh, with with Daenerys. But by the end of this whole thing, uh, you get to a point where Varys says she's mad, she's not who should rule, yeah. and he realizes that's not what's best for. Maybe Varys comes through in the end, and really he is working towards what is best for the realm. So, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Gonna be interesting as um, okay. Well, uh, that's kind of the chapter, guys. It's it's a short chapter, really. Uh, yeah, that's the summary kind of covers a lot of it. Um, we will be getting into some bigger ones here uh, shortly, though, because uh, the Battle of the Blackwater is approaching. And so that's where things really sort of heat up, uh, I guess you could say. But uh, we do have a raven today, Ez. Uh, yes, we do. So we have a raven from Sir Joe of Lasagna. <laughs> Have we okay. read, I don't think we've read this. I don't think that's a name we've seen. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the last time I had lasagna. It's probably been oh, years. My. So many carbs. So many carbs in it. I don't think I yeah, can do it. Anyway. The carb wars. Uh, how they how they rage. Um, so the subject of this is the real stone dragon. And here's the message. Hey guys, love the pod. Don't know if this is the right place, but going to ramble here for a bit. Uh, this is a book theory that uses a piece of the show as the focal point. But I think there is evidence to show, haha, uh, it isn't as absurd as I make it seem. So here we go. So we can assume that Shireen will be burned slash sacrificed before some large battle uh, that Stannis faces. My thought is that um, my thought is that this is some direction from Gurm, uh, 
but wasn't specifically laid out. Like one of those, as we said just moments ago, like a talking point that's given by George, but what are the specifics on it? It's my belief that during this burning, Stannis will unknowingly spread grayscale to the surrounding area slash army through his men and the funeral pyre uh, through particles in the air. My main source of evidence for this theory is Patchface and his proximity to Shireen, as well as references uh, of the, quote, stone dragon. People think this will literally be a stone dragon, but I think it is far more likely a grayscale plague inflicted uh, inflicted by someone with um, distant Targaryen blood. Thanks for reading. There we go, Sir Joe. Yeah, that's an interesting that that's def, that's definitely interesting um, to see what what could happen. I mean, Melisandre is scared, sort of scared of it, right? She doesn't she doesn't like it. She she doesn't yeah. she. she Death. Not a fan of uh, death yeah. of of the grayscale, um, and every indication that we have is that it seems more likely, as we've said this many times when talking about Stannis and that battle that's essentially going to take place up there. It seems more likely to me that Stannis, I think, is might win, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. It, in the show, in the show, what happens is they're kind of they're sort of fighting the cold, um, but then what really sort of seals Stannis in is Ramsay goes in and like burns his tents. Right, they sneak in in the middle of the night and burn a bunch of tents, and so like horses flee, and like you know, it's it's like a rough, it's a very rough night for them. Right, they, they, they I think there's probably some men that are killed. Men just are like, I'm done. They leave, and so then then they end up looking and seeing, and here comes the full. Bolton army just storming Stannis and he's just kind of like turns and pulls a sword out and it's like all right here we go and then it's over because they're just not they're in complete disarray by the time they're attacked so right now it seems that Stannis is about to lure all the frays onto the ice um yeah and that's gonna march them and it's kind of the opposite right now there's a bunch of disarray in Winterfell right with right uh Fake Arya, right? Jane Poole just left. There's the hooded man that's been killing people, right? So we don't, uh, we don't know. It's it's sort of the other, it's sort of the other way around. Um, Rickon's over there in Skagos, maybe being maybe being brought back. So you would need something to happen that would cut that would put Stannis in a position where we're like, wow, I uh, did not see that coming. Because uh, mm -hmm, right now mm -hmm. he's in the position of strength to make it seem like why he would suddenly be defeated by this Bolton army, which could then set up sort of a battle of the bastards with John. Yeah, th this is uh, so to Sir Joe's point here, I think you have to figure out when do you make this burning or sacrifice that seemingly is a is a point that George has said, yep, this is going to happen. How does it happen? Who is behind it? Is it her mother uh, who just does it because they're in peril up there? Uh, with Patchface, or is it that after Stannis, he's in this position of power, it looks like he's in a good spot, what happens to him that would cause him to, because they're in two different places, you know what I mean? Like, he has to go back to Shireen, or bring Shireen to him, and face defeat again at Winterfell. Like, the whole sacrifice may happen much later. It may be something that, like, goes down prior to the others and it could be a battle of Winterfell situation where she is and not not trying to gain winter or uh, you know to gain Winterfell but after it's acquired maybe we, we just we just don't know now some people also believe that Stannis is in this position of power and that he is going to be defeated 
but we're it, it really looks like he's outmaneuvering the Boltons. And I think what's going to happen is is that Roos ultimately Ramsey might be defeated, but Roos at the end of all of this is going to be, you know, um, able to prevail. So when you do sacrifice Shireen, wherever that's at, I do like the idea, and I think it's totally possible. I know like water is normally how this is spread, uh, and you have Patchface who was drowned and who has been in the water and who understands death and has all these different prophecies and is always at the feet, very close in proximity, as Sir Joe says, to Shireen. I think Patchface will actually be in the flames as well. Um, I think he'll be burned. And then I think the curse is that it doesn't have the effect that Melisandre says that it will have. It is her ultimate undoing, is that she sacrificed a an innocent, a child, and with grayscale, and that maybe they are plagued. That actually is pretty cool, uh, you know, like idea, just to say that there's particles and it's moving in a way that we didn't expect it to. And now Stannis, Stannis's army is defeated because he's relying on on all of this magic. magic and power. Yeah, when he didn't really need to. So, yeah, that would be that would be that would be a very gur thing to do, right? Yeah, because that yeah. has been sort of every 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 main character's biggest downfall is they end up betraying sort of their virtue or their values or they they make they make a mistake that seems so obvious that you just don't need to do i mean like rob <laughs> rob come on yeah, like, i know i mean right. of all of of all of the big mistakes his i think is like the most heartbreaking because it's just so unnecessary it is so mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. unnecessary yeah. That it's just like you. I mean, you could have you could have won the whole thing. His to me is, I think, is the most heartbreaking. And again, it's the it's the same thing. Um, I don't know that Stannis needed to use a lot of this, a lot of this, this blood magic and everything. I think Stannis could have won people over. Um, I know Renly had, you know, Renly had all all of the, all of these followers and all this stuff. But Renly's nowhere close to being as good of sort of a battle commander as Stannis. If they had just gone to war, like let's say the rest of the realm is sitting there being like, whatever, they're gonna fight over who's the next heir to Robert. Yeah, I I I still think Stannis might have might have ultimately won, even though he didn't have the numbers, just because Renly. Renly's, you, you know, putting people on his king's guard just because he's because of who's winning in tourneys, right? Even, even when um, Catelyn shows up, she's, you know, they're 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 not ready for war. They're just here playing, right? They're just here yeah. playing at war. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I just thought of something, and I want to throw this out there and, and see what people think about this. I think we know that Davos and Melisandre in the show uh, go at each other. The whole. Flash clash because of Shireen being burned and Stannis is defeated the whole thing it wouldn't surprise me if in the books where you're going to really fill things out there's more plot lines there's there's more intricacy if Davos comes back or meets back up with Stannis and they're in that situation where Stannis decides to send his daughter to the the flames the funeral pyre sacrifice her and it wouldn't surprise me if Stannis says to Davos this is your fault uh, we could have had Edric Storm, but you sent him away. You know, like the, I was thinking about like, how is it that Davos is this man of, uh, he's his conscious when he's away. Melisandre kind of sinks in deeper and deeper and deeper and gets gets to Stannis to the point where 
This is he's not even doing honorable things anymore. And it's like, what's going to hurt Davos even more? It's like, well, if Edric Storm was there, again, someone who is innocent and we should care about and all that kind of stuff. But you could see how Stannis would use that against Davos. I could have used him, but now I have to use my own daughter. And it's just like, what? The madness would just be crazy right there. Because uh, I, I just think there's something that's really going to stick with Davos after all of this. It's not just Shireen, but the whole thing. And the odd thing is that Melisandre is not completely wrong. And she's not compl- she is seeing things in her flames. She's misinterpreting them. And we're not understanding the ramblings of Patchface, which are probably more true than we realize and yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's the elements of magic and foresight and all of those things that are just they're not clear cut. And we're going to Melisandre's intent is good. And what she's trying to do is for the realm and all of this kind of stuff. But she misuses it. And, and it's the over kind of uh, that overzealous belief in just one thing and believing it to where you're, you won't even because that's the problem with Melisandre and her followers and the Queen's men and all of them is that they're diehards. They believe in this so much that they will not sit down and listen to anyone else's opinions. And Davos is that voice that's trying to say, look, maybe there's other reasons why we're winning these battles or we're losing these battles. And it's not just because we didn't or did bring Melisandre. And I think that's what Gurm might be trying to amplify or highlight or show us in terms of, of Melisandre. She's seeing things. But but she's just a bit off, and then it had then it turns to a point where you're sacrificing your own daughter, and look at what this can cost you when you believe Relor, Relor, Relor. We have to his will is is everything, you know. You have to follow him, uh, you know. You got to walk by faith, right? You got to walk by faith, not by sight. <laughs> Start quoting the old, uh, you know, King mm-hmm. James Bible over here, all right? And and so they're they're basically saying we're gonna follow Relor no matter what. Well, what if that means sacrificing Shireen? Are you still willing? Like, that's the ultimate test right there. Stannis, you said you believe. Now, how far can you push this guy? He throws his own daughter to the flames. Crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Crazy. And yeah. he is cursed. We'll see. He, we'll he see. is cursed. I think Stannis yeah. is cursed. So. I do, too. But. I do, too. Yeah. We will see. We will see when Winds of Winter, well, if Winds of Winter ever comes out so hey thank you uh hey thanks sir joe for that uh that raven there so all right as uh that is it for us today um any sort of closing thoughts here on house oh, of the Hagen man or where we're at yeah i i am just really i'm really excited for everything that is coming up um this summer and just you and i continuing to make content and things like that guys major life changes for me I'm going to be doing a lot more podcasting, a lot more content creation. I do want to say we actually uh, have coming up here this, yeah, we'll drop this early May. This will be, we're recording this on May the 2nd, so this will probably go out May the 3rd uh, or May the 4th. And uh, if it does drop on May the 4th, well, May the 4th be with you. So well, uh, Sir, Sir Matt mm-hmm. and I are also, uh, we run a, a Star Wars podcast called Hyperspace Hangout. If you're into Star Wars, we would love for you to come over and listen to that podcast and to join us over there on YouTube because we are going to be doing a live stream there Tuesday night and also Friday. I think for like the next four or five Fridays, we're going to be doing some some live streams on yeah. Friday night after the <laughs> episode. Much. 
drops. Yeah. So uh, we'll get you guys on when we're doing the next Bannerman Hangout. Probably going to be on a Saturday or something, I'm thinking. Probably like we'll do like mm-hmm. a Friday night stream for Hyperspace. And then we'll do like a Saturday stream um, where we get everybody in for Bannerman. Uh you know, at the Bannerman tier and do our Zoom hangout. So that'll be sometime kind of late May is what I'm thinking because we have a lot of things in these first couple of weeks. But yeah, feel feel free to go check that out and uh, let us know what you think there. Also, I just feel like I have to mention this because, you know, Sir Matt and I do have a lot of different projects. Some people, I love the comments on YouTube where people are just, you know, they, they get low. I think some people think we only talk about Game of Thrones. No, guys, I mean, I, mm-hmm. the Silmarillion is coming up for me and in Lord of the Rings and I'm going to lose my mind. All right. Uh, my mind is all over the right. place. I'm also in a 14 book series called Wheel of Time. Uh, Heroes of the Horn. You guys can check that out, too. So we, we love making content. We love talking fantasy video games and all this kind of stuff. So um, I'm hopeful that you guys will come support us at on on Patreon and, um, you know, go click on YouTube. Subscribe there. Those ads help out. We are we're ready to go, man. We are ready to like make bigger, better and more content. And I'm just stoked. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. All right. Well, uh, as where can people follow you on Twitter, Instagram? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram. You can follow me at Womprat underscore 2M on both of those. And I will say this. You need on Instagram, if you wouldn't mind, give me a follow. Guys, Matt, my, my story game is off the chain. Okay? I, I, I do a good job with my Instagram stories. Come on now. <laughs> you do. No, you do. I'm not on Instagram nearly. I used to be Instagram. That used to right. be like my main sort of platform. I'm just all on Twitter now. Twitter I know you is my go-to. I just uh, Twitter has stories, although nobody really uses yeah. them. But um, man, I also I like. I don't know. I'm just, I'm a I'm a obsessive liker on <laughs> yeah Twitter. So I just as I scroll through, I just like everything. So if you want a bunch of likes, all you gotta do is follow me and right. I'll give you a follow back, and then you'll suddenly get a lot more likes. It'll help your Twitter algorithm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can follow me anywhere on the internet: uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Twitch at Super Gains Bros, all one word. So, um, all right, guys, with that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 55, Catland 8 of A Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.